0: Well, hey, Grace. It is good to be back on your phones or in your living rooms again. And uh, it looks like this might be part of how we do this for the, the foreseeable future. And, again, just grateful to be able to leverage technology in this regard. Um, but also understand that we got to figure out a few better ways for us to stay connected and in relationship together. We know those relationships haven't gone anywhere, um, but we're just not hanging out as much as we used to. And so I just want to encourage you just even before we open up the scriptures this morning and uh, think about what God has for us uh, to do whatever you can to lean in two relationships, lean into your community group, lean into that phone call for that senior saint Uh, who you normally say hi to on a Sunday morning, but perhaps haven't for the last three or four Sunday mornings. So um, this morning, we're going to take an opportunity to think about uh, some of the agricultural metaphors that are in the scriptures. And one one of the really neat things that the Bible does, and in particular, the teaching ministry of Jesus, is that he takes these profound theological spiritual truths And he gives them to his people and then by extension to us in in bite-sized ways for us to get our minds wrapped around him. He gives us little pictures, metaphors of what it is that he means. And over the next several weeks, we're going to begin unpacking some of those agricultural metaphors or ideas that Jesus gives us. And we're going to be doing so by looking at the different roots that The scriptures talk about and uh, we're all familiar with roots we're all familiar with agriculture to a certain degree i mean we've all seen things planted we've all seen things grow you might be the farmer who's harvesting in several months from now thousands of acres and that's because right now you're getting the land ready or perhaps you've already put the seed in the ground you you could be the home gardener aficionado I know some of you are those people, and you will grow everything you need this season to feed your family for the next year, and you're going to spend a few furious days canning all of that, and it's going to be tremendous, and you are doing it because you love it, and you love how it, it just it tastes, and it's so different, and some of you are the home garden hobbyists. Uh, That would be the camp I put myself and my family in. Uh, We grow enough tomatoes and jalapenos to make salsa. And uh, we like to have enough tomatoes on the vine that the kids can just run out and grab some while they're out in the yard playing. And we like to have enough of those things around and available so that we can make some homemade salsa come the fall. Uh, Some of you might not have a green thumb whatsoever, but you might have a potted plant. Maybe you don't even live in a place where you've got the space to do any type of gardening, but maybe you have something growing that isn't the mold that you really need to take care of, Uh, regardless of where you find yourself. I think we've all had experience seeing things planted, seeing things that grow, and we know that those things that grow need roots that go deep into good Soil. And we want to unpack some of the roots over the next several weeks together that we should plant. The Bible gives us roots that we should sink deep into the soil of our hearts. The Bible also gives us some roots that we should pluck out of the soils of our hearts. And I don't know about you, but in my world right now, I'm trying to get the weeds pulled out of the flower beds and the little raised garden bed where we plan to grow those tomatoes and jalapenos. And those roots are tough. And Sometimes the roots that we need to pluck in our own lives are tough. And we're going to take a look at what those roots are as well. And so throughout this series, here's just kind of how we're going to do that over the next several weeks. Uh, beginning today and probably moving two or three weeks from now, we're just going to try to get a big picture of some of the big ideas. Today we're going to talk about the root of an eternal perspective. And we're going to not even begin to scratch the surface on what that looks like. But we're going to step back into that next week and think about how that perspective of eternity is grounded and founded on Christ and Christ alone. And some of the things that we're going to unpack and how that focuses us and gives our lives purpose are because of the resurrection that we'll celebrate next week being Easter Sunday. We'll be thinking about roots to plant, roots to pluck, and the Bible gives us some really good ways to think about what it means to be a disciple what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to love others well? How can we do that well in ways that make disciples who make disciples? Our mission at Waynesboro Grace is no, is no different than any other mission for any other church. It's to glorify God by making disciple, making disciples. How we do that best, God's word gives us direction for and so we want to begin unpacking those things over the next several weeks together. Now, to give you a way to remember that and to think about it, and perhaps just even give you a little joy in the midst of the craziness that is our world right now, where, quite frankly, we're not real sure one day to the next what's going to be said at the next news conference. And so to give you a little joy to help you think about these things, um, Eric Peek, Eric Woolheater Peak, I should say, has been growing for the last several weeks, maybe upwards of a month, seeds in his apartment. And last I knew, he had a thousand different flower seeds in his apartment that he grew, and these are some of what has grown. And what you'll find if you drive by the church on your way home from the grocery store where you can and are legally allowed to conduct essential business, uh, what you'll find on the porch of the parsonage, on the picnic table that's there, is some of these flowers. And what I would love to have you do, if you're able, is to stop by and to grab one. It's just a simple way for us to have a visual in our own lives, perhaps in our own homes, maybe in our flower beds outside of our homes, of this idea of roots. Because you're going to have to dig up the soil. You might have to clear out some weeds. You're going to have to make sure that the roots on these flowers are put in the right place. And you're going to have to take care of them and water them. And it's all a part of that metaphor that the New Testament gives us about what it means to follow Jesus. And so you're going to find those on the porch of the parsonage. And if you see Eric around or you can send him a text or shoot him an email, whatever it might be, thank him. He has been doing a lot of digging and planting around the parsonage as well, and if you've not been by, you need to drive by at the very least when you're out doing that essential business, and you need to just take a look at the hundreds of tulips that are popping up right now. In about a week or so, which timing-wise kind of fits perfectly for when we thought we were going to be together for Easter Sunday, celebrating the resurrection, they're going to be beautiful. And there are hundreds of them around. And he's got a couple red bud, red bud trees growing, and it's just been tremendous. And so there's a take home for you to begin thinking through some of this as well. Well, this morning we're going to unpack the first root of an eternal focus. And we're going to try to do so in a way that helps us understand that this is kind of where everything begins for us, that there is an eternity. And that our little blip in time on the timeline of the world is is very, very small in comparison to the scale that God works in, to the scale that God is a part of, and the plans that he has for us. And then we're going to try to unpack what that looks like as we live today, as we live tomorrow. And we're going to think through two specific ways that the root of an eternal focus gives us some direction and helps us live as disciples here and now. So before we go any further, let's pray together and then we'll open God's word with one another. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have given us your word. We thank you for how it how it works in our lives, how it reveals areas that need to change, God, how it is going to give us roots that we need to pluck but how it teaches and instructs. You're going to give us roots that we need to plant. And God, thanks for even the picture of agriculture that you use throughout the New Testament to describe what it looks like to follow you. God, those are pictures that we see all over the place. We see them in our front yards. We see them in our yards as grass grows. We see them in the fields around our town as the farmers begin to get their crops in the field. God, we want to follow you well. We want to live lives that are for your glory and cause the world around us to stop and wonder what's different. We want our language to be seasoned with salt. We want our actions and our attitudes to be gracious. God, we want to be heralds of hope. And we ask that you'd help us To follow you well. God, I think we're all going to struggle with this first root. I know I do. The root of an eternal perspective is, is, is tough because we live here and now. And we live bound by time. And yet, you live outside of time. In fact, you created time. And so God, I pray that you'd work in and amongst our weaknesses. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Help us think the way we should. And God, help us to live with this eternal perspective that we should. And we pray this in Jesus' good name. Amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be getting in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at a couple different ways that this root of eternity gets applied deeply into our lives, not just on the, the, the scale of salvation, but also today and tomorrow and the day after that. And one of the things that we tried to get our minds wrapped around last week and the last name, last two names of God that we looked at was that Jesus is Emmanuel. He's God with us. He is the Lord Shammah. The Lord is there. And we tried to summarize those big theological truths by unpacking this idea that Jesus drew near to us to bring us near to God. Jesus drew near to us to bring us near to God. And when we think about things on an eternal scale, we are reminded and instructed by the way the scriptures begin. In Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Well, there, if God's the creator and speaks everything into existence, he existed before. Apologist is going to refer to this and to God in this regard as the uncaused cause. And he's so different from everything else that we know and have experienced in our world. And if you would fast forward all the way to the end of the book, Revelation 22 and 21. Picture for us and give us some of the details. I don't think they're all there. Give us some of the details and they're tremendous of what an eternity with God will look like. And the reason why we're able to spend that eternity with Him is because of what Jesus has done for us. And Jesus drew near to us to bring us near to God. Because in and of ourselves, our sin separates us from God. And this eternal God, this holy, just righteous God cannot be in the presence of sin nor sinful people but he's not just holy and righteous and just he's also gracious and merciful and his love abounds with steadfastness and he loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting or eternal life See, the life promised to us when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, the life promised to us by the very good news of the gospel is eternal life. And that word eternal or that word everlasting shows up 66 different times in the New Testament. And it's very closely related to a phrase that shows up about 61 different times in the New Testament. The phrase forevermore or now and forevermore or forever and ever." And together, they give us this pretty clear picture. That there's there's a God who exists in eternity. He exists in a way that you and I can't even begin to wrap our minds around. And the promise of the gospel is that we can be there with him. Jesus drew near to us. To bring us near to God and whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. An eternal perspective first begins, the root of eternal perspective first begins with us acknowledging that this God exists outside of our framework of reality. And he is the creator. He is the uncaused cause. And we have trespassed against him. We have sinned against him. And the wages of that sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And you and I tend to make a big deal about the one and only life that we've been given. And, and I don't want to make light of it. But against the grand scale of eternity, it really isn't that much to think about. Picture it this way, and this illustration's been used before, and so I'm just shamelessly stealing it from whoever first came up with it. But if this rope represents eternity, here you have this piece of tape representing world's history. So not even you and I, the history of the world. I mean, if we wanted to try to get cute and clever and creative, we perhaps could draw our little blip on the radar here with this blue sharpie, and I don't even know if the camera's going to be able to pick it up, and perhaps if it doesn't, that further illustrates the point of how insignificant you and I are on the grand scale of time. But here you have God existing from eternity and into eternity, and then there's just our little chunk and what we do here matters. Don't get me wrong. But it only matters to a degree. And God has existed for eternity. And he will exist for all eternity. And whoever believes in his son Jesus Christ for salvation will not spend their eternity separated from God, but will spend their eternity With him experiencing the fullness of life that he originally created humanity to experience. An eternal perspective begins with this idea that God exists and he exists in eternity, and the New Testament gives us. These words and just about every New Testament author uses the phrase eternal or everlasting or forevermore in some way. It's only a handful of those who don't. Uh, you might say that one of the major concepts of the scriptures that gets tremendous clarity in the New Testament specifically is this idea of eternity. Is this idea of a life beyond the grave. And as we think about how an eternal perspective first begins, it begins with an acknowledgement that God is who He is. And we are who we are. And Jesus came and drew near to us to bring us near to God. And for those of us that have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this eternal perspective now begins to cause. A difference in our daily lives or at least it should and that's part of the following of Jesus that's part of being a disciple of Jesus that's part of living our lives in submission to him as Lord and walking in obedience to him as our Lord and Savior and what I want to try to unpack with you here today is just two of the ways that that takes root in our lives in matters today And tomorrow. And in Matthew 6, we see that first way come to bear. And it's the way, and it affects what we do with our money and possessions. And Jesus teaching, and Matthew recording and quoting, says in chapter 6, verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also and Jesus uses the language to don't store up or lay up for yourselves treasures on earth but rather do so and lay up treasures in Heaven. If we were to summarize what Jesus is saying and try to boil it down into a question that you and I should grapple with often, it would be this Are we stewarding and spending our money in light of eternity? Are we heeding the instruction of Jesus to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven? That idea of heaven has the idea of eternity in it for we will spend our eternity in heaven with God. And are we stewarding and spending the resources that he gives us now with a focus on eternal life? One of my favorite professors at Grace College, he's still there. He teaches in the business department and he was, he was my favorite prof within the business department. He wrote a book called The Principle of Maximums. And the idea is that you, in your life, you, you, set, you set some maximum thresholds. Like, I'm, I'm going to live in this much house, and I'm going to drive this much car, and I'm going to do this much. Instead of minimums, think of maximums. And that, when you get increase, when perhaps you get that raise or that bonus comes, that you've already predetermined that you're not going to spend it on yourself because you've determined what the level of maximum is. And you free yourself in advance to be generous in ways that you might not have anticipated beforehand. And one of the things that he says in that book that I just think is so tremendous is that living your financial life by setting maximums is about having a vision for how much is enough and living that vision out. It's part of what Jesus said in Matthew 6, lay up for yourselves treasures in Heaven. Have a vision for what it is that you're going to do with your resources. Prof. Stichter goes on in his book to say that the very goal of living a life of maximums is always to free up resources in order to be more generous. That word lay up that shows up two different times in Matthew 6 there. It's the idea and it means to keep some material thing safe. And here Jesus is telling us specifically to not lay up treasures on earth. Because they're not safe there. Moth and rust will destroy them. Thieves will break in and steal them. They may wear out. They may break down. And the contrast then is to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where they are safe. Moth and rust will not destroy. Thieves will not break in. They're not going to wear out or wear down. I think Jesus is saying, put your focus on eternity. What is here and now, the earthly things can be stolen. They can be broken down. They can wear out. But what is eternal is lasting And he finishes that in verse 21, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also by indicating that how we spend our money, how we steward and spend our resources is an indicator of what our heart loves most. And are we spending and stewarding those resources in ways that have an eternal focus? Now there are clear guidelines in scripture such as these about what it is that we're to do in principle with our resources. But I'll be quite honest with you, to figure out exactly what to do and how much to do and where and picking and choosing your spots is, is a bit of a challenge at times. There's a lot of ways that we could use those resources. There's a lot of places those things could go. There's a lot of people we could give those to. And I personally just find myself conflicted at times conflicted about whether or not I'm, I'm i'm keeping too much for myself whether or not i'm giving enough away whether i'm giving it to the right people or putting it in the right places and here i think it's just an example of how actually being a believer of jesus causes more conflict in our lives and questions that we got to wrestle through than we would have if we didn't love jesus we didn't follow Jesus. And here's what I mean by that. If, if you didn't love the Lord, if you didn't follow the Lord, if you didn't care about Jesus, you didn't care about people because he tells you to care about people, then it's really easy to decide that I'm gonna hoard all the money I can, I'm gonna buy all the teepee I can, and I'm just gonna ride out this COVID-19 thing, and I'm gonna look after myself and my immediate family, and I'm gonna maybe look after my extended family, depending on if they've scorned me or not at last year's Thanksgiving meal, and, and I'm gonna just take care of numero uno. It's really easy to do that, actually. It doesn't take a lot of thought to the natural inclination of our hearts because we're naturally selfish. But what actually is far more difficult, what actually, at least in my own soul, is a whole lot more conflicting, is working out this command to love others as I love myself. To be generous because Jesus has been generous. See, it's one thing, and it quite frankly is the easy thing to hoard, to self protect, and it's entirely different to determine that right now, in the midst of whatever the economy is going to do, I'm going to still be generous. It's a whole other thing to determine that right now, I'm actually going to be more generous than I was. Because there are people who have needs that just three weeks ago they didn't have. I mean, just think about how silly it is—the fact that this roll of toilet paper could be a conversation starter for one of you, for you, for you and one of your neighbors. This is conversation currency now. You could knock on their door. You could say, "Hey, I've heard there's been a run." Do you need some? You might have an opportunity to have a conversation that you might not have ever had before because of something so silly. spent a lot of time throwing this stuff in trees when I was in high school. Now, it could be used for gospel purposes. It could be used to be a herald of hope. It's just the world we're in right now. And being generous and looking out for the needs of others and not only your own needs comes from having an eternal perspective. What we do with our finances, how we steward and spend our money begins with an eternal perspective to not lay up treasures on earth, but rather treasures in heaven. I just want to tell you, Grace, that a couple days ago your deacon team met to ask and try to figure out how we could help hourly wage workers in our church who just haven't been working. And there's some plans put into motion. There's some plans that are beginning to unfold because we have some resources through your generosity over the last several years. You've given generously to that Deacon Fund that's allowed that team in the past to be generous when needs have arisen, but has given them some good resources right now to be generous because needs arose that none of us anticipated. And those dollars are going to be put to good use. I'd like to think those are some of the treasures in heaven that we're storing up because we're investing in loving people trying to meet practical needs. I know that there's families in our church that have reached out to other families in their neighborhoods. Families not even a part of our church to just say, hey, hey, we've got a stable job right now and we just want to be a blessing. How can we step in and have a way to help you? This begins with an eternal perspective. One of the things that I appreciate so much about Dave Ramsey's company and his ministry you could say and Financial Peace University is that their whole tagline of their company is live like no one else so that you can live and give like no one else and we've had the opportunity to take people through Financial Peace University here at the church and they're given a two week course or trial right now free on their website that if you've got questions you can dial in and get all the content without paying any money this eternal perspective affects how we use our money. And right now, we have more opportunities to be generous than we've ever had before. I'm not telling you how much and what the amounts are, but I want to I get after your heart. I want to get after your heart because I feel like the God, God's gotten after my heart. And this eternal perspective affects what it is we do with our funds Secondly, the eternal perspective that we have in the scriptures affects how we think about pleasure and happiness. And there, if you've still got your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter. Three, Paul's writing to this church in Philippi in verses 17 and following, he gives them some instructions and gives them some contrasting pictures and statements between those who live as enemies of the cross and who have set their mind on earthly things and those who live to to glorify Jesus and set their mind on their heavenly citizenship and go to verse 17 with me. And let's look at what Paul has to say there. He writes brothers join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have on in us. I don't, I don't know if you find yourself wondering what am I supposed to do in this moment what am I supposed to do here and now? How am I supposed to love? And I'm not just talking COVID-19 moments. I'm just talking general life moments. How am I supposed to love my kids well? How am I supposed to love my neighbors well? How am I supposed to live out this thing as, as being a godly husband well? Well, Paul says, find people that have done it well. Follow their lead. And one of the benefits of being a part of a body of believers is the fact that there are people from all ages in the body of Christ. And one of the tremendous blessings of intergenerational ministries is the fact that you can learn from those who are 50, 60, 70 years older than you. You can learn from their mistakes. You can learn from what they did well. And Paul says that begin and imitate me and those who walk according to the example. You have in us. And here he begins the contrast. For many, who I have often told you and now will tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, they glory in their shame with their minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Moments like the moments we're walking through right now provide tremendous clarity for us. Because in some ways, all of the normal things of life have been stripped away. And if we're just honest, the things that have been stripped away from me don't actually pale in comparison to the things that have been stripped away from others. But there's clarity that arises in moments like these. And here Paul lays out in this passage two different mindsets that lead to two different destinations. Two roads, perhaps, you might refer to it as. And the first is the mindset that leads to destruction versus the mindset that leads to glorious transformation. In verse 19, Paul talks about the end or the destination of those who walk as enemies to the cross of Christ. And he says their end is destruction The destination is ruin. The word destruction there just means ruin. And the the end, the goal, the, the finish line of the road thereon is one of destruction. However, for those who do not walk as enemies to the cross of Christ, for those who have placed their faith and trust in Christ, who have a heavenly eternal perspective and are pursuing being a disciple of Christ, we're awaiting a glorious transformation. We await from heaven a Savior who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. The second thing Paul says regarding the the the, the, the characteristics that he wants to highlight is that the the enemies of the cross of Christ, their God is their self, but those Who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Their God is Jesus. Again in verse 19. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. That idea there is that they pursue and desire gratification of their bodies. They're concerned about what tastes good. What feels good. What makes me happy. What I'm good at And one of the things that happens when you and I can't go anywhere is that our appetites become stronger and you might actually see some of your appetites and longings differently than you've never than you've ever seen them before. And what I what I mean by this and it doesn't have to be terribly bad things but if they're things that we worship they're sinful so you might be the businessman who is just amazing at your job you're really good at it you know how to work the sales floor or the marketing team you know how to just crush it and right now that looks totally different And you might find yourself struggling with significance because your area of competency isn't an area that you're able to excel excel in like you once were. You might find yourself a little bit more irritable because you like quiet and comfort and some of those comforts have been taken away from us and One of the things that happens when we just find ourselves not able to go many places is that our appetites can become stronger and we might see them for what they are. Dr. Matt Harmon wrote a commentary on Philippians and he's a professor at Grace as well. And he had this to say that whenever we allow appetites to dictate our behavior and attitudes... They are essentially idols that have taken the rightful place of Christ in our lives. I think we could probably all come up with a list of things that you shouldn't do. But sometimes even the good things in our lives, when we allow them to dictate our attitudes and our behaviors, we can find ourselves having idols those who walk as enemies to the cross of Christ worry about how to please themselves first. Their God is their belly. Those who live with an eternal perspective worry about how to please Jesus because he's their God. So, what is your heart longing for? Does your heart long for the things of Christ and what he's given you to enjoy? Does your heart, you find yourself longing for the things of earth? Thirdly, Paul says that those who walk as enemies to the cross of Christ glory in their shame. And the contrast here would be those who glory in Jesus. What do you celebrate or give approval of? What type of Netflix have you been watching? What type of browsing and YouTube videos have you been indulging in? How about relationships? Do you glory and celebrate and give approval to the things of the world? Are you celebrating and giving approval to the things that bring honor to Jesus? Lastly, Paul says that those who walk as enemies of the cross of Christ are those who have their minds set on earthly Things. Again, verse 19 their end is destruction, their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. The contrast would be those who have their minds set on their heavenly citizenship, on heavenly things. See, here and now matters. I, I don't want you to think that here and now doesn't matter. It matters. It matters how you love your wife. It matters how you love your husband. It matters how you love your kids. It matters what you do with your with your finances. It matters how you work at your job. All of it matters, but it only matters to a degree. And if we're not careful, we can set our minds on earthly things. We can find ourselves consumed with earthly things rather than having our minds set on heavenly things as you consider the soil of your heart what roots are you planting are you planting roots with an eternal perspective the root of an eternal perspective is really where this all begins and it it it's certainly first for salvation But it's not just for salvation. It matters and it affects how we live today and tomorrow and what we do with our money and how we consider and pursue pleasure and happiness. And one of the things that I just want to very briefly touch on is how do we cultivate this root? How do we cultivate any of these roots and I think this is where the principle of Sabbath rest comes to our aid. The principle of Sabbath rest as originally given by the Lord in the Old Testament as first exam- exemplified by him in the creation week and then commanded by him. And then we see that given as a principle come Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. That principle was all about a weekly reminder that God was in control. It was a weekly reminder to have an eternal perspective. And we're at a place in time right now with the the vast and drastic changes to life that have happened, that if we're not careful, that principle of rest or patterns of rest those opportunities to have roots that drive down deep and roots that we pluck. We can find ourselves without those moments. And so it's not terribly difficult. It's not even terribly impressive. But one of the ways to do this is to find ten 15 minutes every day and spend time with the Lord and moms with kids at home. I know your house, if you weren't already a homeschooler looks way different than it did a month ago. My house looks and sounds way different than it did a month ago. And one of the things as a husband that just, just yesterday I was asking Carrie about was just how, how can I help you have moments of rest where maybe I get the kids out of the house and we, we walk somewhere together and stretch our legs and get a little bit of exercise or we do something together. How can I help you prioritize this? Because if we don't prioritize it, it's not just going to happen. Maybe you're the early morning person and it's real easy for you to just get up early. And you take that time, you spend that time in the morning. Maybe you're the night-night person. Spend that time after you get the kids to bed. But rest is not inactivity. It's purposeful time to spend with the Lord. It's purposeful time setting your mind on heavenly things, not on earthly things, and asking the Lord and, and the Spirit of Jesus to reveal to you where your mind is not. Set on heavenly things where you don't have an eternal perspective. Having those opportunities for still and quiet and rest with God and His Word, perhaps with music that stirs your affections for Christ. It's how we cultivate these roots, it's how we get them more deeply planted into the soils of our hearts. It's how we find in the scriptures and by the spirit, the roots that need to be plucked. The roots of an eternal perspective affects every aspect of our lives. It affects how we handle our money and our resources, and it affects how we think about pleasure and happiness. And it is the perspective, the focus that we have been called as believers to have. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would reveal to us areas in our lives where this perspective is not true of us. God, I pray that you would help us to see where we don't have an eternal perspective and maybe we're not storing up treasures in heaven. God, help us to see perhaps where our, our minds are set on earthly things and our, our God is not you, but it's ourselves, our, our bellies, our own appetites. God, I pray that you would Be gracious to us and reveal those things to us. God, thank you for Jesus who came near to bring us near to you. And that through faith in him and him alone, we can have hope for an eternity spent with you. And we pray this in his good name. Amen.